Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. The following program has been pre-recorded. Thanks for tuning in this weekend to Let's Talk Portland. Odyssey Portland's weekly public affairs program. I'm Gary Bloxham. On the show this time, I'd like to welcome Dr. Nikki Fenimore. Dr. Fenimore is an OBGYN at Adventist Health in Portland. Hey there, Dr. Fenimore. Welcome to Let's Talk Portland. Thank you so much for having me today. Sure. So, um, how about we get started by having you tell us about your practice? Yeah, so I, as you mentioned, I'm an OBGYN at Adventist Health Women's Clinic in Portland. Um, This practice has several OBGYN physicians as well as midwives. And we take care of a wide wide range of um, patients from um, prenatal care to obstetrics to delivery to gynecologic conditions and um, even including menopause, which we'll talk about today. Yeah. And I think you're pretty new, right? I am, yes. I just started recently at Adventist, <laughs> so um, I am new to the practice, but we are growing. Yeah. How, what brings you to Portland? I finished my residency training at OHSU in Portland. So I came here from Wisconsin and am originally from Alaska. So this was closer to home without going all the way back to a cold state. Yeah. Yeah. And from a very small town in Alaska, I understand. Yes. A town of 500 people. It is not accessible by road to any other town. So it's a place that you have to fly to. Um, and as part of that, growing up there, we didn't have any health care. We didn't have a doctor in my hometown for most of my life. And so that was a big reason that I decided to go into medicine. Yeah. Wow. That's really, that's really cool. And yeah. something kind of a little side note that we talked about just before we started this interview is you started your young career in radio. I did, yes. <laughs> I um, I was 15 and I went to Hawaii with my mom and I had got, had a new cell phone. And when I came home, I didn't realize that I didn't have unlimited texting. So uh-huh. my mom got the cell phone bill and it was $1,000. Oops. And she said, you better get a job and pay this back. So um, I... I couldn't start a job until I turned 16. So I started when I was on my 16th birthday at a radio station and I had my own music show in the afternoon. Oh, that's so cool. I ended up working there for a few years throughout high school. It was a lot of fun. Very fun. And now you're a doctor. Yes. (laughs) Very different paths, but um, a very good experience. Cool. We're talking with Dr. Nikki Fenimore, an OBGYN at Adventist Health in Portland. And one thing we want to talk about today is menopause. So I guess the million dollar question is... What is menopause? 
Yes, that is a great question. So there are a lot of different things to think about when thinking about menopause, and a lot of people get confused about menopause, which is understandable, because it's not necessarily something that we're talking about around the dinner table. But menopause is a normal part of aging for women. So most women will go through menopause at some point in their life, usually between the age of 45 to 55. Um, most often in North America, the average age is around 41 or 51, excuse me. Um, so age 51 is the average age of menopause. And patients can experience a variety of symptoms with menopause, which we can talk about shortly. But the actual definition of menopause is no menstrual period for 12 months. So that's the actual definition of menopause. And um, as mentioned, the average age is 51. So is it kind of like 12 months on the money? Is it that accurate? That is the, the definition that we make for patients to meet that diagnosis. Okay. So there's a period of time before menopause that we call perimenopause or the menopausal transition, which is usually lasts for a few years. And during that time, patients can experience the symptoms of menopause and have more irregular periods. So most people will have regular periods throughout their life, monthly periods, but once they hit that perimenopause time, then their periods might space out, they might be every six months. So it can be, be really hard for patients to know exactly what's happening, but once they hit that 12 months with no period, we say you've gone through menopause at this point. Yeah, so you say the average age is between 45 and 55, the average, the average age, I guess, is 51 is when it usually hits. So how do you know if it's menopause or not? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so a lot of the classic symptoms of menopause patients will experience. So one of the symptoms that people hear about are hot flashes or night sweats. And those can be pretty extreme for patients. Um, most patients, about 80% of patients, will experience hot flashes or night sweats in some form. So that can be a pretty good clue that somebody is transitioning into menopause if they're in that age range of 45 to 55. Um, and then really knowing that OBGYN providers are available to help with the diagnosis and help with treatment options if that is what the patient wants. So it, it can be very confusing a patient may not know that they ever went through menopause. A patient oh, may really? not even know what menopause is. I've had patients who didn't have any symptoms. So it can be really variable, which makes the whole topic very confusing. Yeah, that's so interesting that sometimes you just have no idea that it even happened. Yeah. Because I, I, I hope my sister doesn't mind, but she's had hot flashes for years. Yep. So that's the other thing is that the menopausal transition can last for years, and then the symptoms of menopause, once you have gone that 12 months without a period, can last for many years. So even on average, maybe around seven years, but there have been reports of patients experiencing symptoms even 20 years later. Wow. Yeah. Sure sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from a guy. Hmm. Yep, yep. <laughs> so uh, what causes hot flashes? Yeah, so there's, a large scientific and physiologic explanation to all of the symptoms behind menopause, but the simple answer is estrogen. 
So estrogen is a hormone that's made by the ovaries and other parts of the body. But when we think of menopause, we're thinking of the ovaries. And as people age and go through menopause, the ovaries are making less and less estrogen, eventually not making estrogen at all. So it's really the drop in estrogen in the body that's causing those symptoms of menopause. So the hot flashes and night sweats, um, that's the main culprit is lack of estrogen. Okay. What are some of the ways people can uh, treat the symptoms of menopause? Yeah, so as I mentioned before, the symptoms can be really variable. So some patients have no symptoms whatsoever. They go through menopause, they say, I didn't experience anything, I never knew that I went through menopause. And then some patients, probably similar to your sister, went through and had terrible symptoms for years. Um, and it can be really variable. It can be variable in terms of what type of symptoms patients have. So the hot flashes and night sweats, as I mentioned, but then patients can also have mood changes, they can have sleep disturbances. Um, so a, a large variety of symptoms. And I like to think of treating those symptoms in a few different boxes. So the first box that's sort of the easiest to think about is doing nothing. So as mentioned, if patients aren't bothered by their symptoms, they don't have to do anything about them. It's not dangerous to have the symptoms. It's not dangerous to go through menopause because it's a natural part of aging. Um, so they don't have to do anything at all. The next box is sort of lifestyle modifications or lifestyle changes. So doing things in their daily life and in their environment to help with the symptoms. So for example, with night sweats, people might want to turn their temperature down in their bedroom a few degrees before they go to sleep if they can do that. In terms of hot flashes, going to work, people can wear layers. So that when they get a hot flash, they can take off layers. And then oftentimes after a hot flash, they might get cold and have chills. So then they can put those layers back on. Um, and then carrying portable fans, as ridiculous as that sounds, works and can be helpful with a hot flash. Uh -huh. um, so sort of lifestyle modifications in that way. And then after lifestyle modifications, the next box that I think of is medication. So there are different types of medication that we can use to manage menopause. There are options that don't include hormones, and then there are options that do include hormones. And it just depends on the severity of the patient's symptoms and sort of their own personal um, medical history in terms of which option we choose. If somebody does choose the medication option, is that something they take for the rest of their lives? Not necessarily. Okay. Um, it depends on their symptoms, their severity of symptoms. Our goal with treatment is to use the lowest dose of medication that is effective for the patient and for the shortest amount of time possible. We don't necessarily want people to be on hormones for the rest of their life, so we really try to get them through that menopausal time and then very regularly reassess their symptoms and see is there a time that we can stop and sort of go from there? Okay. We're talking today with Dr. Nikki Fenimore, an OBGYN at Adventist Health in Portland. Now, since the uh, the hormones have left a woman's body when she goes in, into menopause or has go, going through menopause, what happens after that? Are, are there other health concerns that women should have later in life? Yeah, so once patients go through menopause, as we talked about, the main culprit being the low estrogen. 
there are different effects on the body in terms of um, cognitive function, in terms of bone mass, in terms of cardiovascular health. But we don't necessarily recommend giving hormones just to prevent those conditions or to treat those conditions. And so when we think of somebody who's gone through menopause, they are at higher risk of having more bone loss over time and are at risk of, if they fall, possibly getting a bone fracture. So those patients, we want to make sure that we're looking at their whole picture of health and making sure they're exercising, getting enough calcium in their diet, and sort of assessing their risk individually in terms of bone loss, cardiovascular health, et cetera. Um, so we know that the menopausal transition does come with health risks afterwards, and we have other ways that we can sort of watch those and address those. What sort of health risks should women be looking out for? Yeah, so just as I mentioned, the um, cardiovascular health. So making sure that um, usually primary care doctors will help with managing that part of things. So looking at your lipid levels, so that's like the fat in your blood, your cholesterol, making sure that those are all within the normal range and not too high, because we know that lipid levels do change once estrogen drops. Um, and then in terms of the bone mass, once you reach a certain age, you are eligible to have screenings for your bone mass. And to there are other medications that we can use if patients are having bone loss and are at risk for fracture. Okay. Um, what, what are some of the earliest ages you've seen menopause and some of the latest ages you've seen menopause? That's a great question. So I have seen menopause in somebody's 20s. Really? So it can happen early. There are different reasons that it can happen early. Um, if it happens before age 40, we call that primary ovarian insufficiency, which used to be called premature ovarian failure, but we didn't really like the term failure or premature, so we changed it to primary ovarian insufficiency. So patients less than 40 who go through menopause, we use that term. And then patients who go through menopause between 40 and 45, we use the word early menopause. But people can go through menopause at any age, really, and we can do things to make people go through menopause, not necessarily because we want that, but because it's needed for a different medical condition. So for example, if somebody has ovarian cancer at age 30, and we remove the ovaries surgically, then we've just put them into menopause no. from a surgical standpoint. Um, other medical treatments for different conditions like radiation, chemotherapy for different cancers, those can also be a cause of early ovarian insufficiency and premature menopause. That's so interesting, fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm learning so much today. <laughs> Good, I'm glad. <laughs> Let's talk about, uh, do women need to continue on birth control after they've gone through menopause or even during menopause? Yeah, so that's a great question. So the easy answer is once somebody has gone through menopause, they've gone that full 12 months with no period, and they're in that age range where we expect them to go through menopause, then their chance of pregnancy is extremely low. So no, after that point, you do not need to be on birth control. But there is this, as we talked about, this perimenopause or menopausal transition time that patients will start going through on average around age 47 
where somebody might go six months without a period and think, oh, I'm going through menopause, and then their period starts again. Mm. They might think, I'm not at risk of pregnancy because I'm like right there, I'm almost menopausal, but they are still at risk of pregnancy. So if they're in that perimenopausal state, then yes, they should still be on birth control because the human body is wonderful at making babies. So um, Surprise! Yes, so I would still recommend birth control unless they've truly gone the full 12 months with no period and are defined as having gone through menopause. And I'm sure a doctor could help uh, determine that? Yes, yeah. for sure. We're talking today with Dr. Nikki Fenimore, an OBGYN at Adventist Health in Portland. So talk to me about some of the mood changes that women can experience. Yeah, so one of the more common mood changes is new onset depression. So patients who are going through menopause or even in that perimenopausal state can experience more irritability, more depressive symptoms than they had ever experienced in their life, even if they have no history of depression. Um, so we know that that happens. And part of that too is the issues with sleep disturbances during menopause. So patients, you know, they have night sweats. So of course somebody's not gonna sleep as well if they have night sweats, but then there are other issues with sleep. If somebody wakes up in the middle of the night, they might not be able to get back to sleep right away. They might have trouble falling asleep their sleep might not be as restful. So certainly all of those things can also contribute to mood changes. So it's pretty common to have depressive symptoms, irritability, um, anxiety, all of those are very common. Okay. Um, and a lot of people will just sort of blame it on menopause, but we know that yes, it's part of it, but we can also help with it. So it's certainly not something that people need to just live with and suffer through. It seems like uh, there's a little bit here on the website that I'm looking at that says, my body seems to feel different. Is that a pretty good sign of things that are happening? For sure. Um, in addition to all of those symptoms we talked about, people can also notice like physical changes in their body. So sometimes the body, like the makeup of the body might change in terms of more fat in certain places and less muscle in certain places without any change in diet or exercise. And which seems unfair, right? Because your body's kind of really fighting against you. <laughs> but certainly people can notice changes in their body and all of the symptoms we talked about. And then also people will describe this brain fog. So mm -hmm. they just feel like they're not as sharp as they usually are. They're forgetting things. Um, they might have trouble with like finding words for things. Um, so those are all things that people can experience. Okay. What about continuing with pap tests and mammograms? Yes, that's an excellent question. And the, the big answer for that is yes, you still need to continue. So pap smears and mammograms are screening tests for cancer. And the pap smear screens for cervical cancer and the mammogram screens for breast cancer. The pap smear, we usually start screening patients around age 21 and according to the American College of OBGYN, which is sort of our governing body, we continue until age 65. And there are certain conditions in which we might stop early or extend screening for cervical cancer. Um, but in general, it's age 65. So you can imagine if somebody goes through menopause in their 50s, there's still a good chunk of time left where they should be getting that screening. And similarly for mammograms, um, 
Usually we will start screening for mammograms around age 40 to 50, depending on the guidelines that you're using, and stop around, around age 75. So certainly, again, a very large chunk of time where you need to be getting that screening. So just because you go through menopause doesn't mean you get to stop seeing the gynecologist. <laughs> if anything, you should probably be seeing the gynecologist more yeah. after that. Is there a higher incidence of cancer during or after menopause? Yes, and it's mostly based on age. We don't think necessarily that menopause causes cancer, but we just think that as time goes on, most people are at higher risk of any type of cancer as they age, um, and that's true for men as well. So just with age, cancer is more common, so yes. I'm, I'm guessing there's been quite advanced, quite a lot of advancements in menopause care. Like mm -hmm. back in, you think back in the 40s and 50s, what kind of changes have you seen? Obviously you weren't around in the 40s yeah. and 50s, but you probably have, have studied the history of this and, yeah. and what kind of changes have, have come on the horizon? I think it's interesting. I think it's something that we're talking about a lot more now and it's, it is very, different depending on culture. So in my culture, I came from a Native American background where people didn't really talk about about this. And talking to my mom and my grandma, like they never talked about this. It was sort of a taboo topic. And now I think that there's more information about menopause and more treatments for menopause and knowing that you don't have to suffer through symptoms. I think people are more open to talk about it. And I think that's great. And then people are more willing to go to the doctor about it. Because I think people for a long time didn't realize that it was something that you could take to your doctor to talk about. Um, and it certainly is something that we treat and see all the time. Like some women call it the curse, right? So you yes. just think it's the curse. I've, I've just, I'm stuck with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you have any advice for men who have a partner or wife, spouse going through menopause? Yeah, that's a great question. I think in general, just educating yourself about the topic, because as I said, it's, it's such a broad topic and it can be so variable from patient to patient that it, it's confusing. It can be confusing for patients, it can be confusing for doctors, and I'm sure it can be confusing for male partners. Um, so just, getting a little bit of information on it, even if that just means doing a quick Google search and reading about it a little bit so that, you know, when your partner is maybe not in the best mood or not sleeping well, you can help support them in that way. And I think really using language that's not like, oh, you're just going through menopause, like not sort of brushing it aside as something minor because it is a huge change in somebody's life. And I think that's really important to recognize and to sort of honor that yeah. um, because it's hard. It's a hard thing to go through and it's normal, but it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to help some guys out and to help our listeners out too, tell us again about some symptoms that women experience. Yeah. So the symptoms of menopause, again, can be variable in terms of what symptoms somebody has. Somebody might not have all the symptoms. They might only have a few in terms of how long the symptoms last, how frequent they come, or the severity of them. And so the, the main symptoms that about 80% of patients will experience are hot, the hot flashes. So that's often uh, described as a sensation of heat, like in the chest and in the face, um, that is very extreme and can lead to even sweating 
and like heart feeling like your heart is racing um, that can last a minute to 10 minutes in length and then patients after that that experience has passed sometimes we'll get the chills and feel cold after that and then night sweats are similar to hot flashes but they're just happening at night when somebody is sleeping um, so patients will describe waking up with their bed like soaked and having to change their sheets um, so that's certainly something that that can be very bothersome if you're waking up in the middle of the night and your sheets are wet um, other symptoms, as we talked about, mood changes, so irritability, depression, anxiety, um, and then sleep disturbances aside from just the night sweats. People can have trouble with falling asleep, trouble with staying asleep, and just feeling like their sleep isn't as restful as it used to be. Um, so those are some of the main symptoms. It's so interesting that it, it varies with every woman. Every woman is different. Yeah. It's, that's, that's crazy. It's very interesting, and we don't really understand why. But I, I'm always very curious when I have patients who say that they went through menopause and they had no idea. And I was like, well, if we could just take that, extract that <laughs> from you, and give it to everybody else, that would be great. Yeah. But, so there's still lots of science out there that needs to be discovered. Exactly. Excellent. Can you give us some, uh, like, a website or where we can go find more information about menopause? Yeah, so... Um, the National Institute of Health has a website. So if you Google menopause, there is a website from the NIH, and um, it's specifically the National Institute of Aging. So that has a very um, easy to read information and even some videos about menopause. And then it has links that you can take to other, um, if you want more details about certain things in regards to menopause. Great. You've given us so much great information today. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. We've been talking today with Dr. Nikki Fenimore, an OBGYN with Adventist Health in Portland. Thanks again. If you'd like to hear this interview again, just search for Let's Talk Portland on the Odyssey app. Let's Talk Portland is an Odyssey Portland public affairs program. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.